Today on Lockdown Red Wings, we bring on Tony Ferrari of the Hockey News to continue our 2022 draft profiles. Today's is right-handed defenseman Simon Nemich. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. Uh, Scotty also hosts over at Lockdown Tigers. He is also a freelance writer for the Detroit News, and I'm a producer over at 97 Won the Ticket. And today we bring on recurring guests, one of our favorite guests to bring on to the podcast, Tony Ferrari, uh, writer for the Hockey News. Tony, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to join you guys. It's always fun to jump on the Lockdown Network with you guys. Lockdown are we, are we the, the best Lockdown pod that you come on? I'll say this. You're not the worst. I think we all know what the worst is without, uh, without saying it. Wow. Holy cow. All right. Um, I'm clipping that. And I'm sending it to one pod in particular. Let me tell you. Please don't. I'm going to get inundated with messages from even, them, and I don't want it. Even better, Scotty, just send it to all of the other podcasts and let them figure out who Right. The, yeah. I'll just send it to the group we have and be like, wow, <laughs> look what Tony said, guys. And then everyone's fight over who he's talking about. If that's what ends up happening, I'll get messages from a couple that I haven't been on. Like, what, the, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to we bring you on um, to help us profile the 2022 draft prospect Simon Nemich uh the Slovakian is 18 years old he started the season 17 years old uh playing professional hockey in Slovakia six foot one 192 pounds he's a right-handed shot which is highly coveted um amongst many NHL teams this past year with and I'm going to try my best HK Nitra yep that's pretty simple so I don't hope I didn't butcher it too bad I had 26 points thank you Scotty appreciate it (laughs) One goal, 25 assists uh, in 39 games played. In the playoffs, he had 17 points. How did he – he had five goals and 12 assists in the playoffs in 19 games. That's the first thing that stands out to me. He had one goal in the regular season, and he had five in the playoffs. How did that work out? I think he just had a really good playoffs, to be completely honest. Like, he's not afraid to shoot. He's really offensively creative and everything. So, I think f- as he just kind of matured throughout the season, his – scoring pace picked up towards the end of the year and then just continued on in the playoffs. And I think the fact of the matter is in the playoffs, he was just comfortable trying stuff. And at the end of the day in the Slovak league where the defense is questionable and back checking is optional, it's, it's pretty easy for a guy to get creative and stuff like that. So I, I think there's a, some kind of smoke and mirrors going on here with some of the point produ- production he has, but at the end of the day, he's the highest point producing defenseman in, in that league and in the history of draft eligibles. And, I mean, we saw a guy like Brant Clark last year go there and put up numbers that were almost as good, but not quite. So Simon Nemec doing what he did this year was pretty impressive. And it'll be fun to kind of see if he can translate that to the next level. Well, go ahead. No, one of the fascinating things when you like first start diving in on him is he was like a star at like 15. Like he's like one of the, I think I saw he was the youngest person to, to ever score, record a point or something in like the highest league over there. Like, how do you like how long has he been on the map? How long has he been such a big deal? Well, he's been a name that I've been hearing for at least a few years now, at least at least since the 2019 draft season. So he's a guy that you're starting to hear about a little bit back back then. And he's impressive skater. He's got all the tools and you've kind of watched him mature a little bit over the last few years. So 
he's definitely a guy that's been on the map a while, but he hasn't, he's not in the CHL and everything like that. So unlike Shane Wright, he wasn't getting that overexposure. He wasn't getting those people watching him and, and really nitpicking his game until this year, which is what every most draft eligibles get. So it, it's kind of been interesting for him to be a name that was there, but because of the league he played in, he wasn't really on the prominent screen for everybody all year or for the last few years. Well, actually, so that, that jumps ahead to actually one of my later questions, but since it's a topic we're bringing up now, the league that he plays in, you know, him producing at the clip he did produce at in that Slovakian league is still very impressive. But how big of an impact do you think that's going to have? He's still slotted to be a top 10 draft pick in most boards. Some have him go as high as a top three pick. But how much of an impact do you think the league he played in is going to have in his overall draft stock? I think it plays a, a, a role, certainly. I think you, you look at a guy like Camden, I think there is a lot of risk with with how much he'll translate to the next level because it's not like he's a guy that has this – like we look back at Mort Sider in his draft year, for instance, and he was putting up some decent numbers in the DEL, but it was his defensive game that seemed to get everyone attracted to him. Despite him having some offensive game and up until the, that season, he was kind of an offensive defenseman. So his team asked him to play a little bit more defense, and he did that to an excellent level and got drafted by the by the wings in the top 10. So – you look at Simon Nemec in comparison, and he's playing in a, another obscure league a little bit and putting up huge offensive numbers is what Nemec did this year. And his defensive game isn't what you really want to draft him for. So I think there is some concern because if that offense doesn't translate, that top 10 pick that could get taken with that he might get taken with might be a little bit high for what he actually is. Well, that leads me to so. The Red Wings are drafting eighth overall, and on most boards, Nemec or Juracek are the one and two in the on the defensive rankings. Where do you see him going in the top ten? And do you believe he would he could be available for the Red Wings at eight? I, I do. I think he, he'll be there at eight probably, and I think he goes anywhere between five and ten. Um, I look at him and I I have him as my second highest rated defenseman, but a guy like Kevin Korchinski, I don't think is very far behind. A guy like Gleb Trikasov, I think you could make an, uh, an argument for. And there there or not Gleb Trikasov, sorry, uh, Pavel Mintyukov. Uh, the other Russian player in, in this draft class. But no, like there's guys that you can make an argument for the second overall, second best defenseman in this draft class. And I think Juracek's kind of solidified that number one spot uh, among the defenders and in, in, I mean, consensus rankings and everything. So I think Nemec is the head of the class for number two, but I don't think it's a surefire thing because like I said, there's a lot of risk with him. And I think the skill, the upside is all obviously there. The skating ability is really fun and everything, but is he is surefire as some someone would hope for a top ten pick? I don't I don't really know if that's there. What? No, I mean, so I guess we can just start getting into unless you have anything else about the league or anything, Brian. But his game specifically, and and uh, you said earlier that his defense, like maybe you weren't be, wouldn't be drafting him for his defense. Talk about in his defensive game specifically what he excels in and, and what maybe he lacks. Uh, he's a really good skater and he has size. Like he's six foot one, almost 200 pounds. Um, the defensive kind of reads aren't necessarily there all the time. He's really inconsistent in his own zone. He, he's pretty good at jumping passes and, and breaking up passing lanes and stuff like that. But there are so many times where you're watching him play defense and you're just like, oh, yeah, like this is a, a kid playing road hockey defense. Like he sure. doesn't quite know exactly what he's doing. He's figuring it out still. And I think that plays into the fact that the, the league he plays in is kind of a bit more of a dumpster fire league if we're being honest like it's not as as good a league as the Finnish leagues or the Swedish leagues so you're looking at him tear up this league offensively and then still kind of have these moments where he struggles defensively whether it's he's just not getting back in time or he's 
kind of misreading a gap and in, in getting walked uh, along the boards or, in, or the guy cuts across his face to the middle, he doesn't have that gear to get up that up to that next level to to make that stop sometimes. And that's a concern for me because I, I do like Nemich's tool set, but sometimes the reads and everything, especially in his own end, are, are a little concerning. So you mentioned that he is primarily a more offensive-oriented defenseman based on what you just said. Do you think that that would fit a need for the Detroit Red Wings, who are pretty well stockpiled uh, in defensemen in their their pool? Obviously, they had Sider up this year is going to win the Calder, not even if he will win the Calder. Um, and you have Edvinson and Wallander on the way as well. Um, you have Albert Johansson as well. Do you think that the Red Wings need another defenseman? And then, of course, the play style he plays, do you think that's a need that the Red Wings need have to fill as, as well? Well, I think that any team could use another defenseman. If, if a guy like Nemec is there at eight and you don't have a forward that you'd really rather take ahead of him, I think you do take Nemec because he does have that upside. He has that that flair for the offensive game and some some offensive creativity. There are concerns, but I mean, every every player in this draft class, it seems, has concerns. Maybe, I mean, even That's, going up to yeah. the first overall pick, right? So it, it's a really weird, unique draft class that, in my opinion, has been the most affected by the pandemic with their last two seasons or D minus two and D minus one being greatly affected by the, by COVID and everything. And a guy like Nemich, while he's got to play a lot, it's still a little bit concerning. Again, we've seen at the world championships, he's done a great job. And he, despite being 18 and in, in his, in his 17 year old season, essentially he, he's the top producing or second, second top producing U uh, 19 defender uh, at the world championships. He still does a, a lot of really good things. It's going to be interesting to kind of see what his career pans out as, because it's a risk and reward pick with this guy. So when we come back, though, when we st- begin segment two, we'll continue this conversation. I do want to ask your opinion, Tony, on who you believe is the best comparable for Simon Nemich that's currently in the NHL. Um, but first, I got to talk to you guys today about Athletic Greens. This next partner has a product you need to use literally every day. You need to start taking AG1 because... With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced whole food sourced superfoods, that's a mouthful, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things. It's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good. It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes such as Detroit Tigers starting pitcher Tarek Skubal, trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient, daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'm going to go back to that. Whole food sourced superfoods it's a tough one for me it's, it's a it trips Brilliant. me out oh you don't you don't struggle with it scotty no I'll, my athletic I'll, green ads are, are are great so yeah. i'll let you read them from now on how about that 
<laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say it was a problem with him. I, I mean, since you're so good was. at it, I'll just I'll let you do it. I just said I was better. I didn't say you were bad. Well, I mean, might as well if it's a strength of yours, we might as well play into that strength. So you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't want to short the people a good ad read. We could. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, he says we could uh segment two locked on our wings podcast uh, we are joined by T- tony ferrari of the hockey news as we um bring you our draft profile of simon nemich and before the break i teased it tony i want to know and i kind of i kind of teased it before the break so i could give you some time to think if you didn't have one already is there a modern day nhl comparable to simon nemich's game currently in the league well, first off, I want to say thank you for putting me on the spot. I love that. It's my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. Um, second of all, I don't like making direct comparables because I hate comparables in general. No player is exactly the same as any other player, I think. But I'll, I'll give you two names that I think could be a, a, a bit of a weird range for, for a guy like Samuel Nemec. Uh, I look at him and I go, on the top end, you could get a Morgan Riley out of this kid. I think there's a, there's a reality where he's a really good offensive defenseman. He figures out the transition game because there are some issues I have with that that I'll get into in a few minutes. I'll bet when we talk about that. And then on the other end, you get a Shane Goss to spare, who's not a bad defenseman, but we all kind of saw some of the issues he had in Philly. We all saw some of the issues even this year in Arizona where, yeah, you're getting him for one reason and one reason only, really. So there's a range of what this kid could be, especially because there is so much uncertainty coming out of his game with coming out of Slovakia, not really having any high level competition against him. And like I said, when he's faced competition of, of international play and at both the men's and the junior level, he's done a pretty good job. Like he hasn't looked out of place by any means at the world championships right now, this year, he's got six points in seven games. And that's a pretty good not, uh, scoring line for a defenseman, at, at, especially at his age. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of what he does, but I still do think he ends up like somewhere between Morgan Riley and Shane Goss despair. So we've, we've talked about the the defense and you just kind of alluded to it. We can just get into to that right now, I guess what on the offensive end, what makes him such a good offensive defenseman and what, what areas do you still think like you kind of alluded to there that he still needs to improve on? Well, I'll start with the transition game because obviously transition leads to offense. And, and I think the big thing with him in transition is He's a very good skater. I don't think that's an issue. He changes direction well. He has good four-way mobility. I don't think there's any issues in that regard. But one of the things that I do kind of worry about, and this was something pointed out by Will Scout, who I know you guys know as well, and this was something as soon as he pointed out to me early in the year, I couldn't stop seeing it. And he has this thing where, and this is why I brought up Morgan Riley, because Riley does it sometimes, where he'll get the puck up the ice, but it's not like he's necessarily puck handling it it's almost like he's pushing it 10 feet in front of him skating onto it pushing it 10 more feet and ah, skating onto it the shovel method exactly he's shoveling it up that's the what ice brian gra- does exactly, it is what i do right? i don't know how to stick handle <laughs> so instead of yeah instead of stick handling he's kind of just sh- sending it to an area and hoping he can get there and we've seen morgan Riley do it successfully we've seen other nhl defensemen do it successfully and kind of adapt their game as they grow and mature into their own bodies and everything but simon Nemich does that a lot and that kind of concerns me because you shove your that puck five extra feet or even two extra feet, especially in the NHL, there's going to be a defenseman or a forward there to cut that off, turn the play there around, and then you're stuck in no man's land behind the forward that's attacking up ice. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can kind of work that out of his defensive game or if he can kind of refine it a little bit more. So he's not necessarily sending such far shovel passes to himself. It's more controlled and refined and, and drawn in a little bit. But as for the offensive zone, he's got all of the tools you want to see. He's got a pretty decent shot from the point. I don't want to say he's got a bomb or anything because that would be a little unfair to him. But he does a really uh, nice wrist shot, gets it off really quickly. 
He moves well along the blue line. I wish, honestly, I wish he'd be a little bit more aggressive with his movement at the, at the offensive blue line because there's that's the, to me that's the big difference between him and Juracek's defensive game is Juracek is willing to go from side to side on that umbrella, kind of get up and into the dot and kind of move up to the point again and back down to the other dot. It's, it's really interesting the way uh, Juracek moves aggressively like that. And Stimo Nemec arguably has a better mobility platform. Like, profile but he doesn't use it as effectively he doesn't use it as aggressively and that's something i'd re- i'd really like to see from nemich but in, you did start to see a little bit more in the offensive zone as the year came on and again he put up a ton of points this year in in the slovak league in the playoffs he was almost a point per game defenseman o- over 19 games as he had 17 points which is kind of ridiculous in any league so it's there like he has the ability to do it i just wish he'd do it a little bit more as for his passing profile in the offensive zone he does a really good job of passing pucks high to low. He does a really good job of distributing from the point in, in making things happen for his teammates. But I do think I'd ra- I'd like to see him get a little bit more aggressive, be a little bit more daring, try some more things. And in the Slovak league, I almost feel like you should be doing that because right. of all leagues. The, yeah, it's the Slovak right. league, right? It's not like he's playing in the Finnish men's league or something like that. He's playing in a league that he probably does have physical advantages over a lot of these guys, despite being so much younger. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can, like I said, there's a lot of refinement that's needed, but there's the base level of everything's kind of already there for him. So that, that leads me to the next question. Then what, what do you think his floor slash ceiling could possibly be on an NHL roster? I think realistically, like, there's a chance he's a top pair defenseman. I, I probably wouldn't put my money on it, but that offensive upside is is intriguing like you you look at a guy like morgan riley and i think we all kind of look at him and go is he a number one is he a number two like is is he a guy that if you have a couple of number twos him brody muzzin does that work maybe but you you don't have a a true surefire number one guy there's a debate there and i think nemich could kind of maybe get to that spot but realistically, I see him as a second pairing guy who does a lot of things and probably works a top end power play. So it's going to be interesting because if he does go to a team like Detroit and stuff, we saw what Mort Sider can do on the power play. We've seen what Simon Edmondson can do in the power play over in Europe. Right. Uh, we've got guys like William Wallander, who I think has some power play potential. Albert Johansson, who's got a ton of offensive flair and skill. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see where he would fit in that regard on a team like Detroit. But the potential's there. And I think that's what's really intriguing about Nemec is there's so much potential with this kid. You look at him and you go, man, if we could refine this and we can coach this out of him and we can kind of get this trait and worked out, you get a really good player. But at the same time, if you can't refine that, if you can't coach this trait out of him, then you're kind of worrying about, oh man, did we waste a, a number eight pick on a guy that probably could have went in the twenties and been a little bit more uh, realistic. And I, I do have him in my top 10 on, on my board because I do value upside so much, but I, I do acknowledge that there's risk with this guy. I think there's a, a ton of talent, but again, you, you're always risking a guy like coming from a strange league, coming from all this offensive prowess. His defensive game is needs a lot of refinement. There's a lot of ifs, but if those br- things break, like this could be a really fun player. That's really interesting too. Hearing because last week we did uh, Matthew Savoy with uh, Sam McGilligan, and we keep hearing the same things over and over again about this year's draft class. Is that these players could be really good, and they also could end up being complete busts. It feels like this year, more so compared, more so than earlier years, past years, there's such a variety in that top 10. You really don't know outside of one, maybe two, who's going to be a genuine, bona fide, like top line talent. I won't even say elite, but top line talent in the NHL. It just seems like even your top 10, your two, your three through 10, can be such, seems like be this year so hit and miss. 
Yeah, I think you have Shane Wright, obviously, at the top of the draft. And I think everyone's pretty comfortable with him being a, a top six center, a guy that probably will end up being a decent number one center at the NHL level. Like you look at a, a one two punch of him and Nick Suzuki in Montreal and you're like, OK, that's like that's pretty respectable. Like two guys who play at both ends right. of the ice and put up 70 plus points probably together. Um, and then you go down and you get Logan Cooley and David Juracek. I think those are the next guys. And, and Euro Slavkovsky probably fits into that group as well. And then after that, it's like, what's your stylistic choice? And I think yeah. you're seeing that on public boards. You're going to see that on draft day. Uh, you're going to really get a feel for what teams value. And I think a guy like Sem- Simon Nemich, if a team values that offensive upside, if a team values the flair and the ability to kind of the raw tools and, and understanding like this is a ball of clay that I can mold, then you're going to see that him go at four, five, six, seven, eight. But if you if there's another if there's teams that kind of doubt that and worry about that, you can see him fall a little bit and, and go at 12 or 10. Uh, realistically, I do think he's probably going to go in that five, six, seven, eight range, but it will be interesting to kind of see what, what team strategies are this year. Do you think that like a, a team that maybe is overloaded, overloads probably too dramatic of a word because I'm not sure anybody is, is that, but you think a team that might have a, a ton of like defensive defensemen maybe goes like, oh, like this would be fun to pair with one of these guys. Like, let's take a shot on them. Yeah, it's certainly worth it because you got, I mean, look at Detroit, right? You already mentioned it, right. Edmondson Insider, and both of them play excellent two-way games. I think both of them have the ability to be defensive guys that shut guys down. And we saw so many times this year with Moritz Sider just having ability. Like, There's a few plays that stick out in my mind with him this year. I mean, him punching Sidney Crosby in the face and really just not taking any shit from him and, and doing what it. he did to him and then there was another play when he was playing against the oilers and he just rode mcdavid down to the red line below the goal line and it's like okay like if he can do those things like there's that defensive profile that you love and obviously he's got the offensive game as well not many defensemen put up as many points as he did in a rookie season so if you get a guy like that and you can pair him with with simon nemich yeah it's probably going to be worth it It's, it's possible but i look at detroit personally and i'm like edmondson brings a lot of what nemich brings more cider has shown the ability to be an offensive guy Albert Johansson is as much a gamble as Simon Nemec in a lot of ways. So right. it, it's like, man, like, and, and I still, I still have a love for William Wallander that oh, yeah. I think this guy can turn out to be a really high end defenseman that people aren't really talking about because he was drafted kind of late, later than some expected. So he just won I, what U 20 player of the year. Yeah. I mean, no big yeah. deal. Same thing that uh, <laughs> our boy won there last year. So it, it's like, that Detroit is our has, boy, by the way, yeah, on the train is. first, let it be known. On the train first. Exactly. So it's like, do you necessarily need Simon Nemec? And I, I don't necessarily know if there's a need. Like if I'm if I'm Detroit and I'm looking at this this draft board and say I have uh, Frank Nazar, Wacom Kamel, and, and Simon Nemec all sitting there at eight, and I'm like, who do I want? I'm probably going to lead him with one of the forwards. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to ask you about that too. Your your personal draft board there in that top ten range. Uh, but first, I got to talk to you guys today about. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are joined by Tony Ferrari of the Hockey News. And we are breaking down the draft profile, if I can speak, on Simon Nemich, or is it Simon Nemich? I've heard it pronounced both ways. I've, I've 
had people tell me it's spelt differently too. So who I'm, I'm going with Simone. Uh, it might How be Simon. Potential it, marketing in Detroit of having a defensive line of Simon and Simone slash Simon. I mean, do you think that the, plays in on draft? <laughs> I mean, if if we're trying to get into Steve Eiserman's mind, I don't necessarily know what's going on in there. The guy's a, a freaky genius, so he might be like, you know what? We need the Simons. We need we need that second pairing because it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be fun. I mean, if you want to look at like trends for Steve Eiserman, I I think Nemich does fit some of them in physical traits. I mean. Yep. Eisman loves to draft guys who are over six foot. He's already 192 pounds at the age of 18. So he'll be hopefully would be over 200 pounds by the time he's league ready. Eisman loves his, his big defenseman. And now while six foot one, isn't necessarily like on, it's like probably what average in the NHL. He, he tends to every single defenseman he tends to take is like six foot three, six foot four. I mean, cider and Edmondson are, what six foot four and five. And then yeah, Elmer Soderblom on the offensive side of things, there's like six foot seven. Just the behemoth. Behemoth. Azerman likes his big guys, but I don't think that would play that much. I, I tend to agree with you, uh, Tony, that the Red Wings will more than likely be looking at a forward unless, like, Juracek is available at eight for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, Which leads me to my question. How do you see, like, that, that top ten playing out in regards to the Red Wings? Who do you think that – and obviously there's so many ifs. You know, it's if this t- player gets taken here, if this player gets taken here. So I guess if – you were to mock a player to the Red Wings at eight, who do you think it would be? Oh, it's tough because I'm looking at my board and right now Shane Wright's kind of in a little bit of a tier of his own at the top. And then I have Cooley, Juracek, and Slavkovsky kind of right in that next group. And then I have three forwards that are are probably a little bit higher than on, on some people's boards. But I look at them and I'm like, if things break right for these guys, they'd be studs. And and that's Brad Lambert, Fra- uh, Matthew Savoy, and Frank Nazar. All uh, y'all are big on Lambert. Yeah. Let me tell you. We had McGilligan and Scouch on, and they both are so high on Lambert. Yeah. And and the thing is with Lambert, like obviously the production isn't there, but you know who else the production wasn't there on? Right. Lucas. Our Raymond. boy Lucas Raymond. Yeah. And and obviously they're different style of players and everything. And Lambert does profile a little bit more of a center than than Raymond did. So it's like, man, like the the talent is there, the skills, everything he does is there. But that that team he was on at the start of the year was pretty bad the team he was on at the end of the year was really bad yeah and in credit to Wacom Kamel for being able to produce on that team he was also giving a given a lot more minutes and given a lot less responsibility in transition and a lot less responsibility defensively so a guy like Brad Lambert didn't necessarily get that just hey go play off and score a couple goals like Wacom Kamel did so I think when you look at their transition game when you look at their defensive game it's and Brad Lambert's defensive game isn't perfect, but it's better than Joachim Kamel's. I, I have him ahead of, of guys like that. And I think Lambert's a guy that you, you have that upside. Again, similar to Simon Nemec, right? Like this whole next group for me uh, after Nazar is Nemec and Kamel and, and Philip Mashar. And then there's Kevin Korczynski and Gleb Trikasov. Like all of those guys are gambles. You're rolling the dice a little bit on all those guys. But at the same time, if they turn out, all of those guys could be real like top end forwards, top end defensemen. Like they could be guys that play meaningful minutes in, in your top six or top four. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see it. But if I'm just kind of looking at the draft and I go, who's who is Detroit going to draft? I still have this feeling about Frank Nazar. I think he's fallen down on a couple boards. There's a, a few teams that maybe don't like him necessarily, but the, the motor on this kid, the energy, the, the skill, the offensive pursuit, um, his ability to just attack play in every zone. It, it, I think that's what Detroit loves. They value guys like that. Uh, a guy that 
even though maybe his defensive positioning isn't always perfect, he's making a legitimate effort on every play for the most part. And I think Frank Nazar is a guy that I look at in Detroit and there is a, a part of me that's like, he's, he's a hometown kid. I think that would be awesome too. His dad grew up as a, or when he grew up, his dad was the parking attendant at the garage at the Joe Lewis arena and stuff. So it's like, there, there's a really good story there and the talent is unreal. So if I'm mocking a player to Detroit, Nazar's probably my guy. But if, if they don't go him, I could see anybody really. Like, this is going to be a really interesting draft to see how it falls because one team has to like a guy and he's going to go higher than expected. So that's really all it takes. And I've said it many times this year with how much divergence there is this year. There's probably more variance this year than any year. I know Will Scouts tracks certain rankings and everything. And he was saying it's almost a full standard deviation higher this year than it normally is in terms of the last four years of where guys are ranking in terms of variance. So it's really interesting to see kind of how much different people value different things. And you're going to see that on the draft floor. And if a team values that upside, you can see Nazar, Nazar go at five. The team values some kind of goal scoring. You can see Kamel go at five. It's, it's going to be interesting to see who values what and where they all go. Scotty, do you have any more questions on Nemich? Because, Not on Nemich. Okay, because I, I, I want to talk to you, Tony. Man to man. <laughs> How vindicated do you feel about Moritz Sider right now? I mean, I'm not saying I was super right, but I was more right than everyone else. So it's like, <laughs> correct, you were, correct. But no, honestly, like seeing a guy like that do what he's done so far in the NHL in the one year, obviously, and see everything he's done in Europe and every league he's played in, it's, it's nice to see because I remember in his draft year, he had that, I read an interview, I translated it from German, which is always easy to do. Um, but <laughs> his coach said, like, this is an offensive defenseman that we asked to play defensively. And then he excelled in that role. So seeing him kind of come in with a little bit more offense than people expected, seeing him come in as a refined number one defenseman and truly go, hey, Detroit, like, I've got you and, and take over the number one role for the next 15 years. Like, I, I love it. I, I love the kid. He's so much fun. Um, I've talked with him a couple of times and he's just a great person to talk to. Like, he is a personality in the NHL. And much like people are promoting Trevor Zegras, I, I think Detroit's done a really good job, especially with the Mojo show and stuff like that. That's get, this, get this kid out there. Get this kid up on posters. Get this kid's interviews out there. Let him have some fun. Let him rap Eminem. Like, let him do stuff. Like, this kid does everything that you'd want to see from a personality in the NHL. And there's potential for this kid to be a legitimate star in the league. Oh, man. We, we have talked about it. I really wanted to just bring it up just so we could talk more at Cider again because I, I cannot get enough talking more at Cider. Um, I remember when we had you on earlier in the season and that, that was the, one of the sticking points we were talking about at that moment was, um, how his offensive upside was surprising Scotty and I, cause we had heard about how good of a defensive defenseman was and that you said the same thing then that you're saying now, like his coach asked him to play defensive and then he excelled. So everyone got to know him as that. And just like this season, like almost as good, if not better than his defensive side was just how well in the offensive zone he excelled. I mean, he played, he played both both special teams, power play, penalty kill. He was the top-line defenseman, led the team in minutes. I mean, the guy did everything at 19 years old and then eventually turned 20 or 20 years old, turning 21 years old. Absolutely just mind-boggling how how good he was this season. And I, I just, you know, credit to you for being one of the few yeah. people high on him Correct. in his draft class because everyone, including myself, that year was like, that seems like a reach, right? Like, who's this kid from the German league? 
Yeah, and, and honestly, like, even when he was drafted, I was like, oh, like someone, someone's thinking the same as me. And <laughs> I, I think it was I, I thought it was a little crazy, to be honest, because this guy has all the skating ability. He has all the tools and everything that you want to see. And obviously he's panned out pretty well so far. So it, it's like, man, like I remember after the draft and I was calming guys down. I was going on all the Detroit podcasts and be like, all right, guys, I get that it was a little high. It was probably even a little higher than I was expecting him to go. But this kid might turn out. This kid might reward us all for for that that high pick that he got. So, man, Steve Eiserman looks like a genius, and I'll, I'll pretend to ride so on those. Co- yeah, and I'll, I'll ride on those coattails. I was about to say you were like, man, somebody was thinking the same thing as me. Well, yeah, the GM of the Red Wings was thinking the same <laughs> thing as you. So that's a, that's a pretty good thing to, to be able to know that you and Steve Eiserman were on the same page. Uh, I'm not saying we're best friends, but like, <laughs> whatever. No, it's 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 absolutely phenomenal, and I. I just, he and Raymond were such bright spots for us Red Wings fans. You know, the first half of the season, the Red Wings were competitive, 500 hockey team, but the wheels really came off after the All-Star break. But Cider especially remained a bright spot, something to look forward to night in and night out. And it's just, I I really am super excited to see if he can further develop his game next season. Because think about how amazing he was his rookie year. If that's him at 20 years old, 21 years old imagine him at 21 and 22 years old like it's just how much higher can he go that's just it right like i'm curious to see if he gets any norris votes this year i don't know if he's going to get many if if any because there was a lot of really good defensemen this year guys are scoring almost 100 points this year it was ridiculous but i think there's gonna be his name is going to be on the ballot i think like he's going to be at the bottom somewhere someone's going to give him a fifth place vote or a fourth place vote or something like that but i I think he gets there yeah i think someone's going to do that i think someone's going to go he probably isn't really a top five guy, but let's give him that because of the season he did have. And on someone's going to do it on exactly right. Someone's going to do it. So how many Norris votes does he get this year versus how many more he gets next year? And uh, I have a feeling next year he's going to get a few more. I mean, he was paired with either Danny the Kaiser or Jordan Osterley for like the oh, entirety of the season. The murderous row of defensemen there, Jordan Osterley and uh, friggin' Danny the Kaiser. You want to know how good Dylan Osterley is? I, I know I just did it again. I called him Dylan Osterley on a podcast <laughs> for like the whole time. And afterwards they're like, Hey, by the way, it's Jordan. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it is Jordan. hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay. We've already in- improved our defensive core. We signed Steven Comfer. So, you know, that's, Beautiful. that's, uh, <laughs> that's more pair him up with cider. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, Scotty, any final thoughts, man? Uh, Tony thoughts on elite prospect defenseman, Brian Fisher, potentially coming out of retirement. Mm. Why did I, I know you were going to bring that in? I'm going to go with probably shouldn't. Wow. Oh, I, I agree with and that. And I'm only saying it because much like me, a man that follically challenged entering the league, he's probably going to get roasted far too often. Follically it, it's, challenged. It's, it's not going to be a good thing for his ego. So I'd probably recommend just not doing it. You know, Somebody's looking out for leagues, my well-being, man. Dominate the beer leagues in, in Michigan and just – Take that that pride I, with you. I don't even do- dominate beer leagues in Michigan. <laughs> He's an enforcer, so I'm the point not even that. is really there. He gets um, in a lot of fights. Can't wait think- to see him and G- Giovanni Smith on a line together. Oh Damn man, let's right. let's go, uh, Tony. Thank you so much. You're what are you working on right now? Plug your stuff. Let everyone know where they can find you. 
Oh, it's the end of the year, so I've got a ton of game tape with Tony videos coming out. So it's just me interviewing prospects and going over some of their video with them, talking about how, why they scored a goal this way, what they were thinking on a given play, and how they what mistakes they were They're making awesome, and stuff like that. By the way, those videos are awesome. It's a ton of fun because I like to joke with the guys, and then we talk music and movies and stuff like that afterwards. So it's not all hockey; you get to know them a little bit on the personal side as well. And then I've got my rankings coming out uh, probably June tenth or thirteenth. That's kind of the set. Uh, dates that i'm kind of thinking right now and that'll be a top 100 with super detailed scouting reports on the top 32 pretty detailed scouting reports on the rest and then probably some honorable mentions it's going to be uh it's going to be a big boy and uh i know i know uh rowan from detroit twitter has been bugging me all year for it and I that told sounds him, well right yeah i mean typical of him right <laughs> garbage human being he is <laughs> um but no he, i told him i'm like man you gotta see he's like i got a six hour flight like a couple days before that i'm like well maybe i'll leak it to you early and you can try to push through the the massive workload that that's going to be so it, it's going to be fun to, to kind of finally get down to business and and really start getting in the nitty-gritty of writing all that out what's your twitter handle so people can know uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari because I'm the only Tony Ferrari that you'll ever need to care about. The, yeah, right. the Tony Ferrari. Uh, Tony, thanks so much, man, for coming on. Yeah, it was appreciate you. great as always. You're just a fantastic interview. I try fantastic. to do my best, boys. Yeah. With your dollar dollar store headphones, it's great. With my dollar store ch children's <laughs> headphones that I'm wearing today because mine are in my car downstairs. Wonderful. Thanks for making Lockdown Red Wings your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Lockdown NHL from first round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss. Lockdown NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Scotty and I will be back with you guys on Monday. Uh, same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day. <laughs>